Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to John chapter 5 this morning. I want to welcome everyone here. So good to see you here this morning. Thank you for that overwhelming reciprocal response. Amen. Next Sunday morning, we will, have, we will celebrate, commemorate, partake of Holy Communion. Uh, we, as a church here, we partake of communion on the first Wednesday of every month, but we will start to partake on the first Sunday of every month. So that's next Sunday. I want you to be prepared for that. And I want to look into the scriptures and just share the gospel with you the next couple of weeks to prepare our hearts because I've come to realize as a pastor that we are fighting against so much in our culture and so many people really, even Christians, and, and, and I believe our church has got a good biblical foundation. We preach the word of God here every Sunday, every Wednesday, our life groups. It's all about what God's word says. Um, we encourage you to read through the Bible. If you're not doing it, I plead with you. You, you must do it. It's essential. It's your, your life blood. It's your life flow to hear and understand and know God's word. Uh, but I realize that there's just so much in our culture that has caused people to really get confused in what they believe, what the gospel is. This past uh, week, I read an article uh, by, and I actually watched the clip because I didn't want to just go by what I read because you know there's so much misinformation out there. You really need to do your research and don't just take what you hear firsthand. So I, I actually watched the clip. How many of you know uh, our football fans here? Any of you? A couple of you? Um, I know you're all depressed because the Patriots are not in the, the Super Bowl, but they can't be in it every year. We gotta give somebody else a chance. But Aaron Rodgers, who is arguably a great quarterback and a future Hall of Famer. He um, plays for the Green Bay Packers, great quarterback, and made it to the playoffs, but he didn't get to the, World's, uh, the Super Bowl either. But anyway, um, I came across an interesting article, and he, um, it was actually a podcast that he was doing with his girlfriend, uh, Danica, uh, Danica Patrick, and it was about God, his Christian upbringing, and how he first began to question his Christian faith. So right away, my, my ears perked up, and I said, i got to listen to this. i gotta, I got to read about this a little further. And he talked about how he grew up in the church, Christian church, and had a good experience in youth group. Praise God for youth group. Amen? And, uh, but he said when he got older, uh, he became open. And so I, I just want to quote what he said. This is what he said, and it, and it was just so sad to hear this from him. He said, I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet to a fiery hell. What type of loving, sensitive, um, omnipresent, omnipotent being wants to condemn his beautiful creation to a fiery hell at the end of it all? I'm saying, where is he getting his theology from? Uh, what Bible is he reading? And then he went on to show further, and, and I'm not trying to dog him or, or be critical of him, but he went on to say, and, and only 144,000 go to heaven and everybody else goes to hell. 
So I realized he doesn't know his Bible. I realized he's confusing cult, the, the, the cult of Jehovah Witnesses who believe only 144,000 go to heaven. So he's, he's got this confusion uh, of different belief systems and different doctrines and different teachings. And he don't know what the Bible says. But unfortunately, he probably will influence people who are equally as ignorant of the Bible. But we know that God doesn't send people to hell. They make a willful choice. Matter of fact, the scriptures tell us that hell was created for the devil and his angels in Matthew chapter 25. And God does all he can do to keep people from going to hell. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the ones that were going to hell. So they wouldn't have to go to hell. And all we have to do is put our faith in Christ, believe and trust in him, and follow his commandments and honor his word. So it's, it's so, there's so much of that out there. It just drives me crazy and sometimes, you know, gullible. And, and, and some Christians who are lacking in Bible knowledge, they'll just, you know, soak it all in and, you know, just take it all in, not knowing the difference of what the Word of God says. God is so loving. He, he so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. But what happens, it becomes not just a, a theological or an intellectual problem, it becomes a moral problem. Yeah. And what I mean by that, it becomes a moral issue, is that not that people don't, they can believe, they don't want to believe because of the implications of what it means in a person's life. Because man, in essence, is in rebellion against God because we have a sinful nature. And we choose to do the wrong. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. And the gospel is about change. The gospel is about the power of Jesus Christ to change a person. Amen? So I want to look at a portion of scripture. And I want to talk about change today. I want to talk about the transformation that takes place through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is still in the changing business, the saving business, the healing, the delivering business, if you will. So I want to speak to you a few moments from John chapter 5. I've entitled my message, Do You Want to Be Made Whole? Do You Want to Be Made Whole? John's Gospel, chapter 5, I want to read verses 1 to 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. How many of you went to Israel with us a few years ago? How many of you remember that place? To refresh your memory, it was right outside of the Basilica of St. Anne's right in the old city of Jerusalem. And uh, you could actually see, in the 1800s, I believe, this, this was uncovered. You know, Bible critics were saying, where is this pool of Bethsaida? Where are these, these, these findings? And in the 1800s, they uncovered this pool, where this pool was, and even the columns 
that, that were there. Remember that church we went in? St. Anne's had the incredible, just this is a little side note. Can I, can I do a little side note? This church had the incredible acoustics. It was built in the third century. And it had an incredible acoustics that if you would sing, you could, you could hear an echo for 11 seconds. It was amazing. So our group gathered in there, and my wife, with her beautiful voice, she led us in the Our Father. And I'm videoing this, and it is sounding amazing. I'm telling you, I thought I heard angels singing. But the problem was, at the end of the video, I joined in. <laughs> and I ruined a perfectly great video. <laughs> It sounded so beautiful, and then I joined in at the end, and I ruined it. Well, praise the Lord, most of you can't sing anyway. <laughs> but here we are in, in the old city, if you will, in the pool of Bethesda, and in these, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, lame, blind, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then every, whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Can we pray one more time? <clears throat> Father, thank you for your word, your eternal word. Father God, I just pray that your word would become spirit and life to your people today. God, would you anoint our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to perceive your eternal and powerful word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Jesus can change your life. Turn to the person next to you. Let them know that Jesus can change their life. Transformation means change. Our lives, by the grace of God, do not have to stay the same. God has the power to change us. You don't have to be a slave to old habits, to hang-ups, to sin, to fear. You see, the transformation that the Bible talks about is us becoming more like Jesus. No longer held back from, from our destiny, no longer held back from freedom, but we're able to fulfill our God-given purpose on planet Earth. Here we have Jesus, and he came to this pool of uh, Bethesda in the city of Jerusalem, and the Bible says in verse 2, there lay a, a, a great multitude of broken people. These people were blind, they were lame, they were paralyzed. And I believe this was, this was their literal physical condition. It was a, a sad and sorry uh, state of a group of people that were there in this helpless, hopeless situation. But I also believe in a lot of ways it, 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 it speaks to our, our world. It speaks to the condition of mankind without 
Jesus Christ. People are blind. They cannot see the spiritual truths. They are lame and they need to be made whole. They are bound and they need to be set free. So this picture of, of all of mankind and spiritual condition is why Jesus came in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those that are captive, the recovery of sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted. Transformation is, is what, what God wants to do in every life. And you know that word, transformation? If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, very quickly, I want to read a verse of Scripture. We have it right up there. And we all, say we all. We all. Let's talk Southern. Ye all. With unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, are being what? transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another for, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You know that word transformation in the Greek? The Greek word is metamorphosis. And that's the word where we get metamorphosis from. That is that process where a, a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. So in a biblical sense, it's the transformation that takes place in your life and in my life on a regular basis where we become more like Jesus. Now there are two kinds of transformation that take place. The first kind that takes place in a believer's life when you are born again, when you accept Jesus Christ, put your faith in Christ, there's an instant transformation. The Bible says the old passes away and the new has come. The Bible says we become a new creation. That's instant. But then there's the progressive transformation. And that is the process whereby you and I uh, will, will go on and be on until we meet Jesus face to face. Until we get to heaven. We are all in process. We are all changing. You know, there are times my wife and I will discuss something and a situation that happened, and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look at each other and we'll say, you know what, if that was three years ago, if that was five years ago, we would have dealt with it totally different. I, and we mean in a good way or, or a bad way. If, now we deal with it in a better way. And what is that called? That's called transformation. And I hope and I trust you can look back and look at different scenarios and situations in your life and you can say, wow, I'm dealing with this differently now. I'm not reacting. I'm not acting the way I was. Transformation takes you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And that's how, how do I know where God wants me to be? That's why you need to seek and ask God through his word. You know what a dangerous prayer, prayer to pray is? Lord, what is your will for my life? But you want to know a more dangerous prayer? Is not to pray it. Oh, I don't want to pray that. I don't want to know what God's will. Listen, to not know. 
To miss out on God's plan for your life is the most foolish thing you could do in your life. But to want to be transformed and to become more like Jesus is the goal and is the purpose of God in our life. He wants to transform us. So it's instant and it's progressive. But you know what, what it really boils down to? And there's three points I want to I share with you this morning. Number one, it's a choice. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got a choice. It's a choice. You know what? You could tell that person it's a choice, but you know what? You can't make the choice for them. They can't make it for you. Now look at verse, look at verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? You know what he was asking? He was saying, do you want to change? Do you really want to change? You say that's not a real clever question. But you know what the fact of the matter is? Not everybody who is lame, not everyone who is blind, not everyone in a spiritual sense really wants to change. And you realize you cannot help somebody unless they want the help. So Jesus said, do you want to be made well? Because that's the real issue. You can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. My question to you this morning is, do you want to overcome your sin? Do you want to be free this morning? Do you want to live right? Do you want to save your marriage? Do you want to get out of debt? Do you want to overcome that addiction? Do you want to live whole? That's the question. You and I have a choice. It's not enough just to come to church on a Sunday morning. There's a choice you have to make. Jesus said to this lame man, 38 years, do you want to be made whole? There was a choice. Look at how he responds. He begins to make excuses. He didn't even say yes. Those should have been his first words. Yes. Of course I do. Lord, heal me. You know what? He begins to make excuses. Now, I know nobody here ever makes excuses. But you know, I, I found out that there are three different types of people in the world. There's those that make excuses. There are excusers. There are accusers. And then there are choosers. The excuses are the one who make an excuse why they are in the condition they are in. I didn't have a good upbringing. I didn't have the right parents. I didn't have the right family. I didn't have the right neighborhood. I didn't have the right pedigree. I didn't have the right beginnings. Begin to make excuses. And then there are those who are accusers. They begin to accuse others for the predicament they are in. There is a word that we become familiar with over the last few years, and it's called victimization. It's what happens when a person always sees themselves as a victim, a victim of society, a victim of their upbringing. They are people who continually see themselves as, as have been dealt a lousy hand in life. How do you know if you're a victim? Victims endlessly repeat how they have been mistreated. Victims live by the childish notion that life should always be fear. Let me tell you, life is not fear. But God is good. 
Victims find it difficult to forgive others because they see forgiveness as weakness. Victims have difficulty maintaining close relationships because they have difficulty trusting other people. God has not called you to be a victim, but he's called you to be a victor. My Bible says that we're more than conquerors. What shall we say to these things? Yea, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Hallelujah. So this morning, you have a choice. You can make excuses. You could accuse other people. I'm reminded of, of the two young men who were brought up in an alcoholic family. And these two young men, they grew up in the same family, the same environment, the same mistreatment, the same drunkenness. And one of them said, I'm an alcoholic because my father's an alcoholic. But the other one said, I'm not an alcoholic because I saw what my father did to my mother. And I'm not an alcoholic even though my father was an alcoholic. Brought up in the same home, but you know what? They made a choice. I want you to choose today to take responsibility for your life and realize God will give you another chance. You see, sin fractures us. Sin divides us. Sin breaks us. Jesus came to make us whole. Salvation is, even the word salvation means wholeness. Jesus came to save us and make us whole. So a question he asked us all, will you choose to change? This morning, you have a choice. Will you choose Christ? Will you choose his cross? Jesus said it very clearly, you cannot be my disciple unless you take up your cross Deny yourself and you follow me. In our churches, there's too little self-denial. Jesus just becomes a good luck charm. Jesus just becomes a divine Santa Claus, blessing us and fulfilling our vision. We need to fulfill his vision and his purpose. You have a choice today. Will you choose salvation? Will you choose discipleship? In the Old Testament, God told his people, I've set before you the path of life and the path of death. Let me let you all understand something this morning. There is no third path. There's a path of life and a path of death. Jesus said it this way. There's a path that leads to eternal life and there's a path that leads to destruction. But God is so good. God is so good. He, he gave his people in the Old Testament a multiple choice exam. Choose death or choose life. And you know what God said? I'm going to give you the answer. Choose life. Isn't God good? He even gives you the answers for the questions on the test. You see, in this choosing, it's not a once and for all decision, but it's a daily, moment by moment choice. You see, I choose to be faithful to my wife. Not just when I came to the altar, but after 28 years, I got to make a choice to be faithful to my wife. Getting quiet in here this morning. You know, when I went on my sabbatical, I got another phone with another phone line so I can totally disconnect. Not because I didn't love you, but because I didn't want to hear from you. No, because all the research and the study and the, the, the counsel I got was just totally disconnect. And so I got another phone, and I gave my wife my, my real phone. 
And I got this, this other phone that was just a new number. Nobody knew it but my wife and my kids. And, and I gave my wife my phone. So I was, telling, I was telling somebody about that. They don't come to church. And they said, wow, you must be the real deal, Pastor. I says, what do you mean? He says, you mean you, you gave your wife your phone? She knew your passwords? She could look on your phone? Hello? My wife knows me. She knows my weaknesses, my ups, my downs. And, and, if, and, if, and if I have to hide something, or if you have to hide something, that ain't good. I'm sorry, this isn't good English, but it's good theology. For me, that was a no-brainer. Here, here's my phone. She can check my emails, my texts. She can check everything, everything about why. Because there's no secrets. You know, the Bible says we have fellowship with one another. There's too many sneaky things going on in marriages, in relationships. Oh, Lord, help me this morning. Help me this morning. Come on, I, I choose to honor the Lord with my, my, my finances. I make a choice. See, do you want to be made whole? It's not just I come to church and I became a member and, and, I, and I, got, I got involved in a ministry. I, I work in the nursery and all those things are good. But you've got to make a choice on a daily basis to say, yes, I want to be made whole. Because this wholeness does not have, it happens instantaneously in your right standing before God. But then the, the progressive the part of it is the process of daily walking it out in this world. And I haven't arrived, but I press on. None of us have arrived. We still got to be changing. Turn to the person next to you. See, I don't care who you are, you got to change. Some of you needed to hear that more than others. It's a change. I choose to put God first in my life. When everything else cries out against it, when my flesh fails, when my flesh wants to do something else, I choose to put God first. I choose to honor God. I choose to fear the Lord. It's a choice. Number two, there's a commitment. There's a commitment. Look at verse 8. What did Jesus say? Jesus said to the man, rise up. Rise up. Take your bed. See, Christ was calling this man to rise up. Take up his bed. He was calling him to a commitment. Change, transformation will not just happen. Oh, I'm born again. Hallelujah. That ain't going to work. Everybody's born again these days. You got born again mobsters, born again... Bookies, born again, drunkards, born again, everybody. My Bible says if any man says he's in Christ, he ought to walk even as Jesus walked. Call to commitment, transformation. We want the change, we want the breakthrough, we want the miracles without the commitment necessary to really experience lasting change. Rise up, take up your bed. This is a commitment to follow by faith. Not just I raised my hand in church for salvation. Not just I made an altar call. Not just I got baptized at Victory Assembly. Not because I got a membership card from Victory Church, as great as that is. 
Rise up out of your old ways. You can't stay in the place of defeat if you expect to walk in victory. He told the man, rise up. You've got to make a commitment. And why was that an issue? Because you know what? Blind people made a good living. Begging. You know, some people that are begging on a street corner, they don't want a job because they're making good money begging. We'll work for food. Yeah, give them a job. See if they'll work. Take up your bed. You're done begging. You're done playing the victim. You're not a victim. You're a victor. A commitment to follow through on the beginning of the miracle. See, see again, there's the instant, but the progressive. There's your healed, but there's the healing. There's the miracle, but there's the walking out of the miracle. Jesus said in John 8, 31, to those who believe, he said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Then you are my disciples. My last point, continuation, verse 8 and 9. Immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Here's the continuation. He, he got up and he walked. His life was changed. Listen, it didn't mean he became a full, mature Christian at that moment. It means he started in a new direction. The first step must be taken. Later Jesus told the man something interesting in verse 14. He said, Sin no more, lest the worst thing happen to you. Now, I, I, I've studied that, I've heard that, and I've wondered about that verse. And, you know, some commentators would say, well, maybe this man was lame because of sin, and Jesus healed him and said, if you sin again, worse, something worse will happen. But I don't really believe that, because he's 38 years in this condition, and I don't believe he was... I, I just, you know what I believe? Jesus was saying something more profound and deeper in the sense of, you know what? There's an eternal judgment coming. This life is not all there is. He said, don't live in a life of sin because then there's a, there's a, there's a, there is a judgment to come in the next. So what was this man's responsibility? To continue in the truth. Grow in Christ-likeness. Grow in sanctification. Grow in spirit formation. You could be set free, but you need to stay free. You can be born again, but you need to walk in the new nature. That takes self-discipline, commitment to continue. There's times when you feel like quitting, feel like giving up, feel like going back, but you make a choice to show up anyway. And I want to just close as we just kind of wind this together. Uh, just an action step, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. If we can put that up, I don't know if you had that prepared. I might not have given it, but yeah, there it is. I appeal... To you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or your spiritual worship. Next verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. There's that word again. By the renewal of your mind that you may be tested. It's another translation, so I'm getting mixed up here. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What is the action step this morning when we leave this place? The reality is whatever controls your mind controls your life. Isn't that true? If you want lasting change this morning, you have to change what's going on in your mind. Renewing my mind is the key to transformation in every area of, our, of my life.
Our thoughts control our beliefs. Our beliefs determine our behavior. Our thoughts, come on, our thoughts control our beliefs. Our beliefs determine our behavior. You want to change your behavior, you've got to change your thoughts. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. No thinking pattern, no stronghold, no negative mindset is beyond the power of God. Let me say that again. No thinking pattern, no stronghold, no negative mindset, and no sinful behavior is beyond the power of God. There are people who can sin for so long in different areas of their life, and they, they come to believe, Christians come to believe, I'll never be set free. That, that is a slight against the sufficiency of the cross of Calvary. Jesus paid it all. His, his sacrifice on the cross, the blood that he shed, is, 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 is efficacious and sufficient to meet every sin need you and I have. I'm not saying it happens overnight. There's the progressive nature. But there's nothing, there's no sin that God wants us to be bound by because he paid that we can be set free. So what do we do? Recognize the lie. There are thoughts in your mind that are wrong. How do I know whether something's right or wrong? I know through the word of God. And if you're not reading the word, you're going to be influenced by social media. You're going to be influenced by your friends, even people who are, are, are reportedly uh, educated. If they don't know the word of God, they're fools. Recognize the lie. Identify the root. If you have a fear and insecurity and anxiety, dig down to the root. Because if you keep dealing with the fruit, the fruit keeps growing back. But if you deal with the root, it stops the fruit. How many of you like to garden? How many of you in your lawns, dandelions, you could pick those yellow flowers all day long. They'll grow up the next day. But you ever see a dandelion? I mean, a dandelion has a root like my arm. Thin, but not as rugged as my arm. But, but, but it goes down a foot. You've got to get that root up. See, there are root things in our life that we're not dealing with. The battle, there's a battle going on. You need to, to just find the truth of God's word and apply it to your life and to whatever your need is. Would you stand together with me this morning? Thinking patterns in our brain literally cause there to be grooves in our mind formed by thinking the same thoughts over and over again. You know when you say reprogram your mind, you've got you to have new, new avenues, new, new grooves in your mind. And see, some of us, all of us, it took years to get where we are today. It's going to take time to re, retrain our brain, renew our minds, if you will. No one can make that decision to change for you. You have to. I ask you this morning, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? It's a choice. There's a commitment and there's a continuation. You know, there's a spiritual battle going on even right now. And I want to pray in just literally two minutes. But in that spiritual battle, the enemy, enemy will do whatever he can to keep you trapped. To keep you thinking contrary to God's word. The enemy will do whatever he can do to keep you bound. There are some good people in this room, some godly people, some spiritual people, but you still have some things in your life that God wants you to overcome. And I don't say that to condemn you. I say that to encourage you and help you today. You see, we can't fight this on a natural level. We've got to do it spiritual. 
The weapons of our warfare are not, not carnal, but they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down of imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. This morning, make that connection with God. I'm going to call you today. I'm going to call you to these altars. I'm going to call you to a commitment to make a choice today, to choose to make it right, to choose to get it right, not in your own strength, but by the grace of God. And I'm going to pray for you. If you've been bound, if you've been hindered, if you've got stuck, I want, to, I want to see the Holy Spirit get you unstuck this morning. Would you quickly move out of your seat as they begin to play and begin to sing? We're going to sing one song, and then I'm going to pray. But today I want to ask you, would you be made whole? You're lame, you're broken. We all are. I don't say that to condemn you or to condescend. We all need God's grace. But will you be made whole today? You willing to make that choice? to honor your wife, to honor your husband, to honor God, to serve God. Come on, just make that decision. Keep coming. After they sing one song, we'll pray. Thank you for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Join us for worship every Sunday at 10 a.m. and for life groups every Wednesday at 7 p.m. We are located at 321 Vesey Street in Providence, Rhode Island. Have a blessed day.